Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The gritty set. Answer not serious questions with unserious answers. Um, <laughs> I, I think we're as good a chance as anyone at this stage. As the red lights go out on the night before the 1000 edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Jamie Winkup has set the fastest lap in the shootout, becoming the first pole sitter in the new generation car at the Great Race. I'm not big on stats or anything like that, but um, certainly to have a pole at the Great Race, that's, um, that's a first for me, which I'm, which I'm very happy about. Accidents for Tim Slade in the Erebus Merc and Chas Mostard in the Green Star Falcon were the talk of Friday. Erebus holding a press conference to explain the process they were taking to repair the car. Here's Dave Stewart. Yeah, well, the car's uh, quite reasonably damaged. Um, we had Frank Adamson come and have a look at it. Uh, we, we spent quite a bit of time trying to get all the broken bits out of the way just to, A, determine whether it was repairable for the weekend and then, B, if it was and we were going to be allowed to use it as it is, uh, how we were going to do it. So um, over the course of probably two and a half hours last night, we had the, the senior group of the team, so myself, Ryan Ross Betty, uh, our head fabricator and uh, head of design, plus Wes McDougall, who's the race engineer for that car, and we discussed how we were going to do it. And um, you know, our main priority there was that the car was going to be safe to race and that it also was going to be competitive because it's certainly no fun bashing around here a lap down for 161 laps. So that was our main priority when we discussed how we were going to uh, fix the car. Tim Slade talked about his feelings knowing that the team were working so hard to get the car ready for him and Andrew Thompson. Yeah, obviously um, you know, I was extremely um, disappointed with myself yesterday. It was a you know, fairly basic, simple mistake. And, you know... I guess the the reason for your disappointment is because you feel you know you, you feel for everyone in the team. It affects the whole team because you know we have to I guess uh, take away a little bit from the other two cars to um, to get our car back up and running. And um, you know there's so much hard work and effort that goes into the preparation for this event. And you know that just gets I guess a massive setback when when something like this happens. And then they obviously have to um, have to fix your mistake as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You, you, I, don't, I don't know how you can sort of explain it in words. Um, you, you do feel sort of down in the dumps, but you know, I'm, I, it, it's a massive relief to me that um, you know they can get it back together and uh, and we can get out for the race on Sunday. 
and really I can't say enough about you know all the all the people that that put the hard work and effort into into getting it fixed. You know, it, it's amazing. Um, you know their their dedication, their, their passion, their commitment, and their skills as well to be able to do what they do. Um, yeah, I mean physically, I'm I'm fine. Just a, a little bit of soreness, as as expected when you when you hit a concrete wall. Um, and yeah, I mean I've got all the confidence in the world that um, they're going to get the car back together as good as what it rolled out of the truck um, yesterday. And, you know, we can have a good crack at it on uh, on Sunday. Volvo is checking out the mountain this weekend with the S60 on hand for fans to get an idea of how the new manufacturer will look on the track. We ask Gary Rogers, who's been known to sell a car or two, about how he's selling Volvo to the fans. Well, at this stage we don't have to because I can't believe the acceptance of this car. Like We have really been overwhelmed. I mean, we've got a fairly big supporter base that we've, you know, over the years have just come to us and joined in with us and, and everybody is just so happy about it. I mean, clearly this is a smart car and it looks like a racing car and we'll make it look even better. So, uh, to me, I think the job's already done. Matt Braid, the Managing Director of Volvo Australia, told the V8 Insiders why they were entering the series. Had some meetings with V8 Supercars through October and obviously very quiet just to sort of sound out and, and, and get, um, get an understanding of what, what could be possible. And effectively we made a decision uh, which was approved in 100% form in about May this year to go in. So, Braid said they still believe in the win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Absolutely, without doubt. I think, you know, actually, you, you know, the race cars you're going to see next year, like any car on the circuit at the moment, is very different to the baseline road car. But the image of the car, the image of the brand is what is actually promoting people to buy. So, yes... The brand and the model will win on Sunday and that will promote the road-going models, most certainly uh, on Monday and beyond. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, the panel will break down the grid for the 1000. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. The challenge tomorrow is going to be no double stacking. The teams are going to have to try and put their two drivers off strategy. So you've got eight pit stops to play with, short pit one, go a little bit longer with the other, so you can just try and get them out of sync with each other so you don't have those dramas develop. It goes for FPR, it goes for every single team out there. And, of course, uh, as John Bannon joins us from VRX Magazine, as he's been working down in pit lane up until this point, uh, John, uh, very interesting that Jamie Wincup says, well, with the seven pit stops now, I'm just hoping that we don't have to double stack because I have the most popular driver in my team, and whenever he gets double stacked, I get hammered on social media. Well, that's right. Double stacking is, is a big issue, but the other issue, of course, is what Jamie was saying in the press conferences about strategy tomorrow and the way that will play out and with Paul starting in the car and 
and uh, it seems from what Jamie was saying there were seven or eight different options so it'll be very interesting to see whether people do end up coming in together or or not. The ball is really uh, all, all up in the air and uh, I guess uh, for those main guys they just don't want their race compromised and, and that's the key tomorrow. And uh, of course seven or eight different options when you only have uh, well two drivers in your car it's it's it does make this race just that little bit more entertaining and, and spicy. And you know what the other factor tomorrow too? Weather. We haven't had any all weekend. The track's going to be all sorts of dirty and grimy. As soon as a bit of rainfall happens during the race, it is going to be on. So the tacticians, they've got their work cut out for them tomorrow more so than ever. Now the Aubrey boys, guys, are, uh, as Peter Norton brings out the forecast, 7 to 27 showers and a cold change. So that's the perfect weather for race day. They're in the morning, aren't they? So if for those... Uh, teams that are choosing to put their co-drivers up first and if we do get some rain in the morning that could really spice things up and uh, throw some uh, championship dilemmas in there for those lead guys. And we have uh, Jason Bright starting from position number three. Brighty uh, was quite happy to say no when we asked him who was going to start in his car. <laughs> it was really entertaining seeing that team respond to, to Bright's lap uh, behind for a lot of the lap, but then uh, you know, just sneaks ahead uh, and had provisional pole there for you know, a couple of cars at least. You know, that's a team that really wears their heart on their sleeve. You know, talking earlier about the, the lack of emotion from others, uh, you don't have to worry about that with Brad Jones's team. You know what? Uh, watch the fair few cars go through the chase. We're at the chase for the shootout and a fair bit of the racing this weekend. Not many cars have hit the rev limiter. In that shootout, Craig Lance, Shane Van Gisbergen and a little bit Will Davison on the rev limit. So it was very interesting to see those guys really into it down the chute. One thing about Brad Jones Racing is they just can find podiums at Bathurst. Well, Bridey uh, is just a gun around here and, and has been you know, a standout for, for many years back to when you know he won that Bathurst Championship uh, in the late 90s. So... Uh, they'll be right on it tomorrow. What's interesting is all the driver combinations. Is their driver combination as strong as some of those other lead ones? What, what do you think, guys? Well, that's the question. There are some good good combinations further back in the pack. Interestingly, James Courtney and, uh, and Chang Van Gisbergen swapped positions in the shootout, and that was, that was a, a, a balls-out lap. That's the only way you could put it, Mark. SVG always has a bid on, doesn't he? And he certainly laid it all out in the line there, so that was great to see. Wet weather, how good does he go in the wet? That's going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, they're a bit of a dark horse, so they came out so strong at the start of the season at Clipsal, and, you know, I think uh, they could possibly be something that people don't expect out there. Everyone's talked about the experience of Courtney and Murphy, though. Yeah, they're a great combination. Uh, James has really hit form with HRT. Uh, he's starting to show up Garth a little bit, and he's uh, right, on the, right on the money uh, every week. He really wants a Bathurst win. He's won that championship. The Bathurst win will be the thing that he really wants to tick off uh, so that he goes down, I guess, as one of the, the greats of this sport. Peter? Um, and the chemistry between the two, uh, you know, at least in a public sense, they're having a ball uh, full of jokes and wisecracking. Uh, they're relaxed. I think the, you know, they approach the race in very good form. All right. Craig Lowndes in sixth position. It doesn't matter where Craig Lowndes starts. He's always a big chance, isn't he, Mark? He is. And uh, I think the secret up his sleeve at the moment is Warren Luff. He won his first Carrera Cup race today and he has been absolutely honoured in the co-driver session. So 
very evenly matched uh, pairing. They both get along well. They have similar driving styles. Luffy's sort of adapted himself to drive a bit like Craig. So it'll be very interesting to see how they uh, back up. Craig starting sixth. That's where he won here in 2006 and 2007. So uh, don't be too concerned about the slightly lower top ten starting position for him. With Will Davison back there in seventh position, it's interesting to see how far split the two FPR cars are this weekend. Yeah, there is that, but I, I really do rate Steve Owen uh, as a co-driver. You know, he's someone who's been in and out of the main game the entire time. That pairing is a very, very strong combination, and really any of those guys from the top ten can win. In fact, I'm going to go further. I reckon that if things go his way, Chaz Mostert could even win from the, the very back. I think with these pit stops, it really doesn't matter where you qualify. I think if cer- certain things go um, in different directions, uh, anyone could win tomorrow. Well, of course, we um, do have that situation where, in in particular, with uh, the Pepsi Max crew, the further they're apart, the more hope you've got of, if you do have to pit them on the same safety car, they one can get in and the other one out, um, get in and out before the other car arrives. Uh, that has to help if, if they're uh, you know, separated a bit. And uh, as we were saying earlier, if uh, a team can run a split strategy to, so that they're completely out of sync and, and they can be uh, independent uh, uh, strategies. Uh, also, what, I, what may play on Will Davison's mind is some of the media attention this week. You know, this, this morning there was a newspaper article saying that uh, he's gone from FPR. Uh, you know, people putting the, you know, two and two together to say four, he's gone. Uh, so whether that will be on his mind, because we know that sometimes uh, you know, he runs on confidence and other distractions can uh, get the better of him. Interesting, John. That could go the other way, though. He could be out there to prove a point and say, look, um, this is all rubbish. Um, I just want to focus on what I'm doing at FPR and I'm going to drive that car um, as, as, as hard as I can and I'm going to win that race tomorrow for my team and to also, to, I guess, to dispel all the scrutiny and, um, and, and coverage that they've been getting at the moment. Well, we need to take a break here on the Van Insiders. We'll continue on with the top ten. And it always takes us much longer than we think here and be back with more in just a moment. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Hi, hi, I'm Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, John Bannon from V8X Magazine, Mark Walker from Media Communication Services, and Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. And guys, uh, I left these last three because, gee, there's a lot to talk about there. Scott McLaughlin pulled out a great lap to jump David Reynolds. Reynolds is, of course, a personality. And Alex Premer bumping Garth Tander out of the top ten yesterday. They're they're great stories in and of themselves. And, uh, of course, we haven't even spoken about the livery, the 50th anniversary livery on Scott McLaughlin's car. 
that that chrome red is just so eye-catching. It's fabulous to see. And uh, I think also what's uh, quite important for the, the whole Gary Rogers team is all the people from Volvo are here, keeping a close eye on them. So it's uh, yeah, quite timely that they're having a good run. You know, Scotty just flies under the radar, doesn't he? He was sort of non-assuming last year, claimed the Fujitsu, t- uh, the Development Series title, and he's really stepped up this year, hasn't he? Um, a lot of fan support out there too, I have to say, out in Punaville, they love him, and, you know, he could be a definite dark horse for a podium. I think a lot of that is his modest approach, and he's a very approachable guy. He'll chat to everyone, and he's also gone hard on the social media, so he's drawing in all those uh, young fans to the sport. Uh, is he, a, is he a chance tomorrow? Uh, it, he, he well and truly is. He's, he's right up there, and if things go his way, and uh, Triple Eight and uh, and FPR have a have a bad run, well, he'll he'll be right up there to pick up the scraps. Ace up his sleeve, Jack Perkins. How good is he going at the moment? He's been absolutely flying in the Dunlop series, and a lot of experience around here now. And yeah, definite dark horse, good pairing. Because I, meant, I failed to mention when we were talking about Will Davison is that Steve Owen won the Dunlop Series race today and he was talking a lot about how when he's gone into debrief this weekend both conversations have been very, very similar and that's an interesting one as well. Have, have the guys that have been running the Dunlop Series got themselves an advantage there when they jump into the main game car? Well, it has to be. It's all about uh, match fitness in many respects and uh, you know, I, I think we sort of hinted on the fact that... Uh, uh, Jason Bright, would Andy Jones uh, be up to the task? You know, Andy's been doing all of the uh, development series rounds, so he's as up to, to you know, match fitness as he can possibly be. Of course, David Reynolds, what a character he is. He's got a huge following, and uh, every time that huge following hears him speak, he says, vote for my girlfriend on, on Big Brother. So <laughs> I'm sure that's not doing him any harm either. But uh, he would be disappointed with that luck, Mark. Probably, but long race. I mean, look at last year. Who would have picked that P2 right on Jamie Winkup's hammer right to the finish? So he's got that experience on board now. I mean, he's never won a race. Could this be the one? And he's the man that's out because all these young guys this year have won races. Yeah, that's right. And he'll be um, very keen to to get his name on the board there. And uh, Davey Reynolds, he's just such a character. And I just hope he, he wins tomorrow, gets on that podium, just so he can find out what he's what his dream was on the way here. So um, I think all the punters out there would uh, look forward to that story. I don't know that I am, but Peter, <laughs> Alex Premer, he bumps Tanda out of the 10. That was a big moment in qualifying on Friday. Uh, well, for, for GRM, the, the whole team lifted so much to you know, from that result. It really was something to celebrate. Um, you know, in the top 10 shootout, it looked like Alex was uh, taking it a bit safe. Um, and uh, you know, at the time, was nothing to uh, get excited about. But uh, you know, why create a whole lot of work? Say, start safely from 10. It sets up uh, tomorrow nicely for them. Mark, your thoughts on that? Alex has a point to prove, doesn't he? I mean, he's under a bit of pressure there with that seat. What everyone's assuming uh, is pressure. So, yeah, eyes will be on him. Of course, I, I think I've told a few people I thought that Will Davison might get that seat next year. So it's interesting that the Erebus one is so heavily in focus of everyone's eyes. But a, a factory drive with a Volvo team, it, it's a plum seat. And if... Uh, they were to get on the podium here, you'll have every driver that's not signed up already knocking on Gary Rogers' door saying, uh, I want to drive for you. So is this a Craig Ravel special? Is this the exclusive tip for next year? 
Look, you can't rule it out, can you? Um, Alex has been doing a, a good job, and you know those two cars are now sort of line astern, and he's not far off Scott. But you know it's got a way up that Scott, in his first year, is doing a slightly better job. And uh, maybe that is the dark horse tip for next year, Craig, and uh, everyone's been getting it wrong. And uh, you'll be able to boast about that one if, if you're right. Yeah, well, the thing is, if I get it right, I'll tell you about it again. If I get it wrong, it's just gone off on the ether here because who's going to listen to this show a second time? <laughs> Guys, outside of that uh, top ten, what do we think? Uh, obviously, you've already gone with a Moss that could win it call from the back row. That is a, that is a big thing. Let's paint the car up like a car that crashed big time and didn't get to win the race, didn't get to start, as, uh, or didn't get to race as well as it should have. And uh, history repeats itself, albeit a day earlier. Yeah, a bit of pressure on them. Uh, they got out there for the warm-up, did a mega job, didn't they? It was an absolute wreck. Bit off the pace in that last practice session, about four seconds off. So they've obviously got a bit of work to do, still realigning and getting everything in shape for tomorrow. Who knows? They were still putting uh, important parts on that car uh, as other cars drove out for that uh, that practice session. So, you know, I think they can be excused for having many things not dialed in. It was really a case of just throw it on and get out there. Uh, I'm sure that they've gotten a, a few more things, you know, straightened up and, uh, you know, wheels aligned and all those sorts of things that perhaps they didn't get time to do. So, uh, you know, who can tell? I know that... Uh we all find Chaz a very approachable, nice young guy. And I was interviewing him for another outlet this morning and he says, well, the fans have had some fun with this on Twitter and if you haven't seen the uh, photo of the 1983-2003 the comparison yet, I think you should get onto Facebook, Twitter um, and, and find that one because it, it is a very, very interesting comparison of two cars in the same livery, damaged in very similar... Well, having similar damage, I should say. Guys, uh, that leads us then to Tim Slade. His car in uh, serious condition, and we were talking before, perhaps that car was written off under any other circumstances at any other race. Absolutely. It was stuffed. I mean, given if that happened in the race, they would have taken it back to the Gold Coast, put it in the skip. Mega job to absolutely rebuild that car and be on the pace. They were quick in that final practice session this morning so you know Slady he'll get his confidence back he'll rebound from this I think the Mercedes they'll be a dark horse for what top five maybe if things fall their way but there's so many unknowns isn't there I mean first time out there in the tyres we haven't really talked about how the dry tyres go out there they're always a bit of an issue here at Bathurst now running the lower profile how will that affect the cars at the end of a stint we haven't seen it (laughs) of course uh one thing about that uh, with Tim Slade's accident was that we had a press conference yesterday saying we might be in the race. We've got chassis components and bar work coming down from the Gold Coast being driven down overnight. Uh, yesterday afternoon when uh, I was in there talking to Tim Slade, they were still welding the bars on and to get that car out onto the racetrack today was a huge feat in and of itself and that's a story that will be told over and over again if if they can jag even a a top 10 finish I think well yes uh, and it was quite interesting that press conference they were really managing expectations down they thought they'd make the Sunday morning warm up and uh, 24 hours earlier than uh, scheduled they're out there 
So uh, huge effort, and uh, I guess that's the workmanship of the guys overnight, that not only was it quick, it was accurate, and they didn't have to redo stuff. You know, Lee Holdsworth, 12th quickest. The Mercs have some pace here. I mean, they were pretty unlucky not to make the 10. So, you know, very slippery car. They've got good power now. They've obviously been working very hard in the handling. Who knows? One guy that's won a few races this year is Fabian Coulthard. Surprisingly, he's not in the 10. He's uh, mired down there in 14th. I don't think that puts him out of it, though. Uh, just with the, the way these strategies are uh, tomorrow, uh, with all these pit stops... He's someone who's that car has got speed. It's shown speed all year. Uh, he's, he's someone who has been right up there from the get-go. He, look, he's 14, so he doesn't have as good a chance as some of the guys that are ahead of him, but you, you couldn't rule him out. If everyone's wrong about, uh, about Will Davison at Erebus, is Stephen Johnson, who qualified the car ahead of Maro Engel, is he a dark horse or getting a permanent ride back in the main game, Peter? Um, I haven't heard anything along those lines. Um, you know, it's musical chairs, isn't it? Uh, you know, who knows where the uh, the music will stop? It's a very silly, silly season, isn't it? I mean, there's so many seats to be filled, isn't there? I mean, Stevie's really put his name in the hat. You know, he's gone out there on a limb to Erebus, stepping outside of the family sort of circus. And, you know, he could definitely raise some eyebrows tomorrow. Uh, Mara's had a bit of a tough time, first time here at the Mountain. So tough for those international guys to really bed themselves in, isn't it? There's, um, there's whispers going around that that's the case, that he wants a full-time drive next year. And if he's impressing this weekend, well, there's every chance that he's put his hat in, in the ring that, I don't know, having been out of the car for the time that he has, would he, would he come back? That's another unknown. Of course, there are there is a car out there, a wild card, two international drivers. And all weekend, Mark, they've been putting in some very, very solid laps. I'm going to say it now. I'm expecting a top five out of them. Top five? That's that's impressive. Well, there you go. They have, they're superstars, aren't they? I mean, they've come out here and they've driven like superstars. They've bed in so quickly to the car, to the circuit, everything. Maybe that greenness, the no experience with the car of the future, that may have played in their hands. But saying that, they've got some great crew there. They've got a few of the regular guys from the Red Bull Racing side of the, the outfit, and they've got some other guys off the Casey Stoner car. They're very smart operators. They've got a good rig under them. Who knows? And what a what a well presented team though, uh, you know the, the Xbox Xbox promotions and everything. It really does stand out. So uh, you know they're definitely putting the work in, and uh, let's see if they have a good show. I think other than Chaz, outside the top ten, they they are the car that's a genuine chance to to win the race. Um, if if if, if 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 I had to pick two that could do it from outside that top ten, they would be the two I would pick. What's been amazing is um, Prilu has had experience here at the mountain before, but in qualifying, I don't know whether the team's theory was we want to give Mattei as many laps as possible or whether his times were just the better times, but it's a big call when you've got a guy that's had a couple of races here and the rookie is doing the qualifying. I oh, don't knock him. Ekstrom's done a lot of laps, obviously DTM, NASCAR, all sorts of things, a lot of endurance racing. Don't rule them out. You know, they'll be right up there. Like you said, the presentation's been absolutely incredible. They've got a second car done up, one of the old uh, Car of the Future mules in the tech centre, so that would be very cool for the guys at home to uh, keep an eye on. I think even more impressive, actually, is it been their whole weekend. They're probably, I imagine, quite disappointed with their qualifying performance because their overall speed uh, in practice indicated that they'd be a bit higher up than that. So if they show good race pace, 
they could be higher up on the day. Now, we talked about Garth Tander being bumped out of the 10. We've sort of skipped over him, but uh, Garth and Nick Perkett, they've won this race before as a combination, and they're one of the few combinations that have. Uh, well, absolutely. The, the, they know how to win. Um, it's just whether the car and the engineering there is really up to the task. And uh, you know, when, when they won, people were suggesting that the whole team was built around Garth. You know, all of the engineering suited his driving style. And I guess that's less of the case these days because, as we commented earlier, uh, that uh, James Courtney uh, has outpaced uh, Tander often throughout this year. With this whole silly season deal, a lot of eyes on Nick Perkett, isn't there? I mean, he made a blue last year, and the pressure's on this year not to do that again, to try and step up next season. So it'll be interesting how they go. I mean, they are capable of doing the deal. You know, from 11th, a bit of a dark horse. Nick, Nick Perkett's probably the unluckiest driver in the V8 supercar scene at the moment, having won a Bathurst but not having a, a full-time drive. But I... I'm yeah, a bit with Mark. I don't think they're a stronger combination as they were when they won this this race. I, I think yeah, the, it's just not quite there for them at the moment. I hope they prove me wrong tomorrow and um, and and go on to to win the race. But I, I don't think they're quite as strong as some of the other combinations there. Well, the Hornets have once again beaten the Jack Daniel cars, and that's significant too. Uh, well, yes, and. Uh Again, the pressure's on them from a corporate uh, viewpoint. A lot of people from Nissan here, Nissan's putting a lot of PR in, and uh, you know, it's important that they do well. And of course, it's, uh, a lot's been reported about their uh, fuel economy and power handicap. Um, it was a bit brave to put uh, so much effort into promoting something that you, you've got some hesitations about. I think they'll be solid. They'll be up in the top ten a bit later on in the day. You know, I think they struggled a bit with qualifying, but you look earlier in the weekend, first session, Moff was seventh. Second session, Taz Douglas was fifth. So I think there's a bit of pace there on older tyres. I don't think they have the new tyre game that some of the other cars do. Long race, anything can happen. Well, we need to take a break here on the Vet Insiders. We'll do the white flag lap where we'll get all your tips and perhaps uh, who you think might be a blowout as well on the white flag lap. This is the Vet Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the Vat Insiders, the white flag lap brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, John Bannon, Mark Walker and also Peter Norton joining me, Craig Revelle. And John, your tip for the race and uh, I'll get who's going who's gonna to be the blowout of the race. I think Craig Lowndes uh, will, will win uh, tomorrow. I just think his record around here and what really impresses me about Craig every year, he's so quick in that last uh, 30 laps. If He's near that top three in the last 30 laps. I think uh, he'll be the man to beat. Um, in terms of in terms of blowout, the, I'm assuming you're meaning the, the person who's likely to fail the most. Uh, look, I, I think it's probably one of those um, 
probably the cars around the the, the back, you know, Fiore and, and and that sort of mob. I, I don't think all these guys are really, you know, professional racers. There's not many many duds, question marks are on on Paul Morris and that sort of thing. It'll be the co-drivers that that stuff it up. I think if if anybody. Mark, Craig, I can't play favourites here, right? I I can't give you one answer. I'm tipping a ripper finish to the end. I reckon there'll be a couple guys out there duking it out like we've seen the last few years. You want to blow out, cop this one, kangaroos on the track. There are so many skippies around this facility this weekend. Earlier on, they were absolutely everywhere. Long race tomorrow. They'll get impatient. They want to move around. So uh, keep an eye out for the ruse. Peter. I think it's a brave or maybe a silly man that's going to uh, bet against Jamie Wincup. We saw at Sandown that they really won that comfortably from back in the pack. Uh, so I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, it's my pick is Wincup. Really, something has to go wrong in my eyes for someone else to get up. And I think in, in that case, uh, Jason Bright would be the one that, that I would pick as the, as the next best. And uh, for some, someone that's going to do something silly... It's cruel, but they've got the form. Something in FPR, there's going to be something silly. All right, well, I can't go past Wing Cup myself, but uh, we will see on the day what can happen. It's not far away now. Thank you to John Bannon, Mark Walker and Peter Norton for joining us here on the Van Insiders. Cheers, Craig. Thanks. There's the check of Black Waves over another night before the 1000. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.